Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. Oh yeah, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. Nope, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. It's really okay. And it's so nice to be able to be reminded of that every week. Candice, how has life been for you since we have now started to see friends safely and go to dinner parties safely? We are opening ourselves back up to some sense of normalcy. How are you doing with all of that? Well, you know, I live in Nashville now obviously. And everyone kept saying, like, do you have any friends in Nashville? And I'm like, no, I know some people. You know, I know people. But we don't really leave our house still. I mean, we're kind of taking the kids around and to school and any activities they need to do. That's kind of where all of our attention is. And then Joe and I really just hang out with each other. So um, I haven't really pushed myself to make friends. But I, I did have one big night out a couple weeks ago. And it didn't go great. It didn't go terrible. But do did That's I good. maybe make friends 
Probably not. If anything, maybe like probably won't be seeing those people for a while. May have been slightly socially uncomfortable. And uh, but, you know, it's just par for the course. I don't know how to act in public anymore. I don't know how to make conversation. And I've realized the only thing I'm really leaning too hard into at this point um, would be that I own chickens. That's the only thing I seem to be comfortable talking about. And not everyone wants to hear about chickens. That's everyone <laughs> wants to hear about them. They're your new best friends. It's, it's okay. It's we love my it. one card. It's my one like social <laughs> card of like, oh, how are you enjoying Nashville? Well, I have chickens. Okay, but let me ask you this. Do a lot of people in Nashville have chickens? So it's yes. normal, like as if yes. saying you have a dog? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty normal. It's not like that shocking. Like people have recreational cows. You know what I mean? Like, so chickens aren't, it's like, oh, cool. And then what else do you do? And I'm like, ah, damn it. I did not prepare for this. The follow up. Um, Yeah, no, my, our friend was visiting. She's a songwriter and she got, had a, there was a party for a record that she was a songwriter on. So it's like very cool, hip Nashville people. And I had not been like out of the house in a long time. I didn't know what to wear. I wore like a dress that looked like Christmas wrapping paper. It finally fit. So I was just I really overdid it like poofy sleeves. I did like big, chunky, cool hip combat boots. And I was like, I even curled my hair and put like little like I googled who was wearing like cool hair and like Dove Cameron. I copied like, you know, a youth hairstyle and like curled these like braid things in my hair. I need and, a uh, picture everyone, of this. <laughs> I need, we all listening need a photo of this ASAP, please. <laughs> and uh, and I thought that there'd be food, you know, because it starts at seven. And I think when something starts at seven, that's like, you know, that's food time. If something starts at eight, not food time. Um, well, there wasn't necessarily a lot of food. but There was a lot of like cocktails and combine that with like my nervous, like not really knowing how to talk to people. I just mama mama had to go home at some point and did not know how to talk about anything other than chickens, really. Um, what about you? Have you been out right. and about at all? No, I like- get it. I asked because we had um, a small little birthday party outdoors for a friend in the neighborhood. And so I took Poppy. It was one of her first ever birthday parties. And they have a massive backyard. So it felt safe. And there were just a few people, not a lot. And uh, this girl approached me and said, hey, I think we have a mutual friend. And then we connected over that. And we were like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then it was just silent and neither of us knew what else to say. And I really liked her. And I just kept thinking in my head, ask her something, ask her something about herself. And and I kind of froze in that moment, being an adult after a pandemic, trying to make a new friend and just couldn't figure out how to do it. And I felt the teenage me, a teenage high school, sixth grade Kayla starting a new school just came out completely. I'm surprised I didn't just automatically have braces and pimples all over my face because I felt like that person again and I didn't know what to do. And I came home and talked to my husband, Tanner, and I said, I think I made a new friend. I hope she likes me. I don't know if she likes me. I was really awkward. And we talked about how hard it is now after the pandemic to feel normal, to tell stories, to talk to someone in person. And I know that if you and I are feeling this way, everyone is feeling this way. Our friends have talked to us about how it feels. And even just seeing someone really close that we know and love, family or best friends, there's still an awkwardness. There's still an awkwardness about it. And now I've decided I'm just going to call it out. I'm just going to say, well, this is awkward. I'm still learning how to talk to people in social situations after this pandemic because 
maybe that'll make me feel less awkward. I don't know. Yeah, I think everybody feels very awkward. And it's just and also social situations aren't what they used to be. You know, it's like we spent so many months saying, you know, hey, let's hang out. Um, If you stand on the other side of the street with a mask on, I'll stand on this side of the street with a mask on and then we can wave to each other and then I'll run you a soda and put it on the ground and I'll wipe it down with Lysol and then we can we can share a soda from 20 feet away and not understand what either person is saying. But, we'll, you know, it, or if you wanted to see each other in person, it was like you had to exchange paperwork of testing and you each got out your like, you know, calendar to, to go over like what each person has done in the last five days. I mean, right. now at this point, um, at least here in Tennessee, there's a lot of like social things going on where, you know, you the proof of vaccination. And so even for like the small event that I attended with my friend a few weeks ago, everyone had to show their vaccination card. But it was so interesting being in line, being like, I got it brought me back to being like 17, trying to sneak in the clubs again. Like, oh my gosh, I just took a picture of the card. Are they gonna think it's not real? Like, did I need like now I need I got a laminator. I'm gonna laminate my card. Like it it's a whole new ball game of just trying to get out the door. And then yeah, it's it's the same thing. At least, you know, you each had mutual silence. Where my problem is is I get into a social situation, I try to fill the silence. Like I met someone that evening who had mentioned, you know, we started talking a little bit about, oh, where are you from? Like what, you know, and then just got to a point where it was like, oh, well, yeah, recently, you know, someone had mentioned that they had been recently divorced. And I didn't, I realized I hadn't had just a normal conversation where I was like, oh, well, oh, I'm sorry. Or good for you. Or, you know, it could be great. But, or if you're hurting, that's very difficult. But I don't want to rain on your parade. If it's like a positive thing, maybe this is the best. It's just, I cannot stop talking about something that had nothing to do with me because I don't know how to talk with people in front of me anymore and just kind of quietly listen. That's also been a very difficult thing. But luckily today we have someone who can teach us how to talk by us listening. You're right, Candice. I'm so excited to sit down with our guest today, Margot Lightman. Margot is an award-winning storyteller, best-selling author, speaker, and teacher. She has written for NBC, DreamWorks, Hallmark, Pixel, and a variety of print and online sources, including Cosmopolitan and Backstage Magazine. She was also the West Coast Story Scout for This American Life, a leading expert in the growing field of storytelling. Lightman has written two books on the subject, the best-selling Long Story Short, The Only Storytelling you'll ever need and her latest what's your story a workbook for the storyteller in all of us margo is also a five-time winner of the moth story slam and was the moth grand slam winner in new york city achieving the series first ever score of a perfect 10 margo is the founder of a storytelling program at the ucb theater which is where i met her back in 2018 she profoundly changed my way of not only storytelling but story listening Without further ado, here is our conversation with Margot Lightman. And we're here with Margot Lightman. Margot, it is so good to see your beautiful face again. It's so good to see you. Um, it's been almost three years, which is wild, since I had the pleasure and honor of taking your class. How have you experienced this pandemic as a storyteller, as someone who is constantly accepting other people's stories? 
just a woman of the world who has now been asked to shelter in place. What has that experience been like? It's been really challenging. I mean, I can't, there's not a person it hasn't been challenging for, but I think for some people, it was really a good thing because they hated what they were doing before. And it was an opportunity to reset and walk away. And for me, I really love what I do. And at the start of the pandemic, I was supposed to spend the summer, summer of 2020 in the English countryside working with a theater company. And I was about to give a big talk for this investment bank. And I was going to be doing workshops all over the place, you know, running my business the way I do. And just like everything was canceled immediately. And with no idea of what was going to happen with these things. And a few of them came back online. A few of them were gone forever, but I had to kind of move everything online, which for what I do, which is connecting people through personal stories is often not, and you can attest to this, Candace, is not the same experience. So it's been a real challenge to continue doing my work in the way that I love doing it in this, in this time. I think another big challenge is I mean, if depending on where you live, I think there's different levels of what's open and what's not. I mean, both yeah. you and Kayla are in California still. I've recently moved to Tennessee where it feels like maybe and I'm also out farther in the country, so I'm not yeah. city center. So it feels like there's more space. But I think, you know, we're two years in slowly starting to at least reconnect with other friends, maybe seeing family a little more often. And a part of why we wanted to talk to you is realizing like, oh, how do we talk to humans again? Like, how do we actually sit down and share a story with someone that doesn't start and end with like, whoa, did you see that show on Netflix? So did I. (laughs) What else? Like, that's it. Like, (laughs) I think we're coming off of this pandemic. Like, how do we what do I have anything interesting to say anymore? And that isn't already experienced or seen by everyone else in the world. And what I loved about taking your class is that one of the first, you know, things that we discuss is, is this fear of, you know, for all the students that I have nothing interesting to say. I don't have any funny, impactful stories. And you are like, oh, you have no idea. You have a whole (laughs) trunk load of them. So that's why you are here to educate our listeners and Kayla and myself on the trunk load of stories we have to offer the world. Well, everyone does. I'm always wary of a person that thinks they have a lot of stories. I'm Mm -hmm. always wary of that person because that's sort of the person that thinks they're the most interesting person in the world is probably not the most interesting person in the world. Just like the person that thinks they're the funniest person in the world is often not the funniest person in the world. So it makes me feel so much better. I can't even tell you. Hearing that is such a relief because when we started researching this episode, I thought I have no stories to tell. Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. And now you're normalizing it all. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, right now, I, I I agree with what Candace just said. I think it is a time that it's like, what did you watch on Netflix? And our lives are less interesting. I went to the store. Oh, how was it? You know, what I mean, like, that's what we're, <laughs> we're talking about. But I do think that right now, I would talk about telling stories right now in this environment and world that we're living in. I have found that people are very entertained by small town things going on in the minutia of things. Like there's a situation going on in my neighborhood, for example, where there's like a realtor, realty team that has broken up and what, you know, we don't know what has happened one of the realtors has been cut out and we don't know what's happened. And like, this is a conversation starter for 
everyone in the neighborhood. I mean, like we are all very interested in talking about, which is not something I would have cared about probably two years ago, but people are like riveted by this now. And I think, so it's like the fun of this time is that we can get involved in like really, really small stories now, right? Like really small stories and people will actually care because we don't have as much going on. But in previous times, I always say, the story that you tell should be anything that you're passionate about. So whether you're passionate about soup or passionate about gay rights, but whatever that may be and everything in between, if you have a story that you're passionate about, then your audience will listen. And that really opens it up to telling stories about many, 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 many things. So that's my, that's my guidance. It's like, what do you care about? What do you feel strongly about? Tell stories about that. And I want to keep getting into that because what I love so much about you is you say we all have a story to tell. And that is something that I think myself included, not a lot of individuals think of, like you said. Um, But before we go down that wormhole even more, I would love for you to share with our listeners your awesome self-proclaimed extra long gawky phase and tell us a little bit about yourself and your own story, because I know Candace knows a lot about this. I've heard a lot about her taking the class and what a joy it is and can't wait to Um, take your class someday as well. But will you let us know a little bit about your story too? Sure. So what you're referencing actually is that that's my, I ended up writing my first book about that time, which is called Gawky Tales of an Extra Long Awkward Face. Thanks for the plug, Kayla. Uh, (laughs) So I found that when I was in uh, fourth grade, I started fourth grade at five feet tall and I ended fourth grade at five foot six. And I'm now 5'10". But it was this time where I was like this giant child and I was still a kid, but I was in somewhat of like an adult body with a kid soul and not an adult body in a like voluptuous way. I mean, an adult (laughs) body in like a tall, (laughs) tall, gangly, really late to lose baby teeth kind of way. And, um, still trying to learn how to walk with your new legs. (laughs) Yeah. So it wasn't like people were like, Ooh, you should be a model. It was not, it was not like that. And that created a lot of like wild and silly stories of being a child in this, like a body that didn't fit her. And I started telling all of these adolescent stories on stage for a while. And they started really working. This is probably like 10 years ago when I started telling stories, just about this time in my life, like fourth grade to the end of high school, where I just was so uncomfortable in my own skin and just a a, a magnet for ridiculousness things to be happening. And then we're really working and eventually was approached to write a book about it by, this is a classic Hollywood story by an agent who then I drafted some of the book, turned it in, and he decided that I I should not write a book. (laughs) And then I wasn't. (laughs) And then he was like, no, thank you. Even though I've, I've come to you. So, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the resilient woman that I am I'm sure you both are as well, I said, I'm going to reframe this and work this and find someone else to work with. And then I eventually did, you know, so I didn't give up after that. But so the, yeah, I had enough stories about it to fill a whole book. So my first book takes place from fourth grade to the end of high school, all filled with those stories of that time in my life. And that's kind of how I found my voice, which was like, what were the stories that I wanted to talk about? And for me, it was during that time of like the most uncomfortable time of my life, because I found that now, you know, at my age and at the age I was when I started telling the stories is that I could laugh about it finally, which was great. You grew up in New Jersey. 
Yeah. And did you live in New York at all or did you go straight to L.A.? Because you originally had your sights set on acting as well. I love we love a good pivot story on this podcast where, oh, you know, we all have this idea of what we've decided to do with our life. And and then if you actually listen to the voices of the world or listen to your gut, all of a sudden you're like, you know, what? actually, I'm going to go take a big left turn here and see where I can go down that road. Well, I went to school for theater. I was torn between going to school for fashion design or for theater. And um, I owned a business, in, uh, a small business in fashion before I even went away to college. So um, I was very torn between those two things. But I ended up going to school for theater. And then when I graduated, worked in live performing in a very, you know, you know, commercials and stand-up comedy, sketch comedy, improv live things, TV, you know, I worked in New York, got, you know, sad card, very young, all of those things, you know, all I never a hundred percent the way I supported myself, but pretty close at times, you know, was doing well. And then I thought, okay, now it's time to move out to LA. And then I got here and your first year here, if you move here from another city with any establishment, I think, is that you always think like, okay, this is my seventh year in the business, or this is my 10th year in the business, but it's not, it's your first again. (laughs) You go way back to start. And that was, I don't know why I wasn't prepared for that, but I just wasn't prepared to go back to start again when I came here. It really felt like I had to like go back and do all of those things that I did in my first year or two in New York. And I started just writing instead. And within that first year, yeah, I had sold my uh, TV movie that I had written. And then I sold my book Gawky within, it was like within the same week. And then with like a year and a half after I had moved here. So then the October year and a half after I moved here, I had a book due October 1st. And then the screenplay due October 8th. And then I had a baby due October 14th that came late, thank goodness, because I really needed a break. Yeah, so that's that was my time here. So then I had my first son and then I was very quickly like had to go back and edit everything and turn everything in. And I guess then I think it was about a year after, no, a couple of years after I had my son, I wrote a guidebook to storytelling because I had always been teaching storytelling classes also and doing live storytelling. And when I wrote that, which is my book, long story short, um, it came out in 2015 and then a year later in 2016. And I don't know why it took a year. It hit the bestsellers chart and, um, and it reached actually number one in audio of all audiobooks. Um, and it was really exciting. And, uh, and then from there, it was like everything pivoted in that direction. I had, I had like really no choice, but to go towards it, it was like opportunities were coming in to teach workshops and give talks on storytelling and, and, you know, go work with businesses and go travel places to go talk about this or teach this. And, you know, and then I sold a third book, another book on it. And it really, at a certain point I had to make a decision. So I already, this is all within like five, six years. My decisions were like, went from performing to writing and then from writing to um, anything in the world of storytelling, with, which includes writing as well. So it was like a drastic pivot, but I had to do it because I was hit a position where I was in a choice of all of this stuff is coming in for the world of storytelling. And it's a unique thing where I am like one of the few faces of that, or I can be a number in 
in the showbiz game. And it was hard, but I was able to pull away from that and go towards what I was really felt called to. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. 
So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. We find the most successful people are take those pivots. It's fascinating. The most successful people are open to those pivots and go with it and then find themselves in this completely new area of expertise and are so incredibly happy with what they do. I think that I'm, I'm experiencing, you know, to get really deep right now, I think I'm experiencing that right now, which is that, um, and I'll go back to your question, Candice, but it's that like, at the start of all of this, I was in a position where I was doing something I loved and it was rewarding and I was making a living doing it, like all of the things that we want and search for. And then when it was all kind of stopped, I was faced with this thing of, well, I don't want to change what I do. I just need to adapt and bring my business online, et cetera. But now I'm in a position of like, we're almost two years in and I don't know how much longer I want to do it only online. Like I would really like to be able to go back to what I was doing in person. But if I can't, if we're not living in a world that I can do that in person, I might make another pivot, you know, like I'm actually finding myself in that position right now and revisiting some of the things that I love and have worked in in the past and trying to see if I can bring those back into my life right now, because I'm kind of staring at a pivot in the moment. So it's interesting you ask that question, which I think we have all been kind of faced with at this time, right? Some way or another. Absolutely. To what you're saying, Margot, yes, I think a lot of people are experiencing those feelings right now. And that, I mean, yeah, my, my, I, can completely relate. Our, my husband and I had no idea a year ago that we would even think about moving to a different state and uproot our lives. And, uh, and we did in February. <laughs> why did you? Oh, so many reasons. Um, but we also, we just, we, we went on a trip last year in an RV to get out of the city. And, you know, we were a family of five. I had a bun in the oven, soon to be family of six. And we, rented these Airbnb properties that were on like four acres or basically or these, you know, tiny towns where there hasn't been a COVID case for 20 million miles. And we would, you know, and we would stay far away from everybody. And we but we found ourselves on this specific property that just was four acres and had water and like we could throw the ball for our dog. And wow. for us and our growing family, we just were like, we, we wanted to lean into that feeling. And we we're like, one day we'll have that feeling again. And then one day we were like, why are we waiting for one day? This is so silly. Like when we can do that right now, like what, why are we staying? What point are we trying to prove? 
So yeah, we kind of made that decision to chase the four acres, which we found. Um, We got chickens. We are like doing the whole, the whole thing. Oh yeah. I can really tell that you've taken Margot's class by the way you've told that story. It's fantastic. (laughs) I'm serious. There are so many details in there and I haven't taken your class yet. I don't know what the, you know, process is and the steps, but there's so many details, there's nuances. And then we're on your side. We're happy that you've got the four acres now and the chickens and it's truly lovely. And I think there's so many reasons to become a good storyteller in life. And I, I mean, it's funny, Candace, when you brought up the idea of doing an episode like this, I didn't realize how important it is to our everyday lives. It's it's truly fascinating. One of my favorite expressions is there's no downside to being able to tell a good story. And, you know, there really isn't. It's just a good thing. It's just a great thing to do and to do for yourself. Well, Marco, what I really, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but I really would love to have you take myself and our listeners because we have yet to take your class through some of the fundamentals of storytelling and what makes us good storytellers, because this is something that I think can benefit every single individual, no matter where you are in your life and what you're trying to achieve, whether it's saying a speech at one of your best friend's weddings, or I know when I was a young teenager, I could have totally used advice on how to tell a great story when I was trying to impress a cool boy or those of us that are going into job (laughs) interviews, whether it's virtual or in person. There's just so many ways to tell a good story. Can you give us a few of the fundamentals and what makes us fascinating storytelling. I think knowing who you are as a character is really helpful. Knowing some of your, I actually ask people often to just write down their quirks about themselves, because if you don't really know who you are as a character, then like, it's hard to build any sort of basis of stories. So basically like, I know that I was this like gawky teenager and I have a thousand stories about that. So if you can have something like that, that that can instantly connect you with people or kind of weird quirks about yourself, weird facts about yourself are good things to start with. And then they're good conversation pieces. In terms of fundamentals, you have to establish a want at the beginning of a longer story and establish the stakes. So you always ask, what do you want? What gets in your way? And those are the two things that you have to ask at the beginning of a story. And so a lot of people, like people I know, tell a story of like, I wanted a job. I was on LinkedIn and someone approached me and then I got the job. And it's like a horrible thing. Right. That's exactly how I tell a story. I tell a wildly fascinating story in like three sentences. Right. (laughs) Or you can say, you know, I was once... I don't know, you know, I used to work in HR and I was really sad and like, I'll go, okay, well, what made you sad about working in HR? And they'll say, well, I I hated it and go, well, what did that look like? What did you do in your lunch hour? And they would go, oh, I would walk down the street and cry. And it's like, okay, so that's a better way to start. I worked, I had an HR job. Everyone thought it was a dream job, but no one knew that during my lunch break, I would walk down the street and cry. Like that's a much better way to start a story rather than I wanted to get a new job, like to show us that so we can viscerally feel something in a story, I think is really, really, really essential. So you go from a place of like telling a story then to feeling a story. So I always say, establish yourself as a strong character at the top, establish what you want, what's getting in your way, figure out why we're rooting for you is a major thing. Like what makes you an underdog? Why do we root for you? And maybe the last thing might be to keep it concise. And within that, don't spell out the moral and what you've learned. Wow. Okay. And and an example of that would be like, 
And then I realized that that's why I should always give my cup of coffee to my neighbor or, you know, right? Or bigger than that. It's like, and then I realized that misfortune is something that can happen to anyone. And once you really (laughs) sit down, like people get like really heavy handed at the end. And it's incredibly insulting to the audience who was like, oh, that's not what I was feeling. I was feeling something drastically different. And now I'm feeling this, you know, so it goes in that direction. Whenever I'm talking about anything is letting go of the details that don't matter. Because especially like getting back into any social situations when you're trying to like you're ramping up a story, whether it's you and your partner doing a bit of like, you know, this hilarious plumbing incident and, you know, you're just killing it at the dinner party. But then it gets ruined by being like, it was three o'clock. No, I think it was one thirty. No, no, because we had to pick up the kids. And then was it sunny out and just getting caught up in all these details that nobody cares about? And we're like, just get to the punchline. No one cares if it was on a Thursday or if it was 2019 or 2015. No one cares. Just get to the meat of the story. And I think about that all the time. (laughs) All the time. Yes, I always say the minor things like that, you can fudge the details. The year, 2015, no, maybe it was 16. No, I th- you're right. It takes a long time. I don't care about the accuracy of that. But what I do care about is when people fudge the details of the emotional truth of what happened. If they're making something up in the story that has never happened, that can be very problematic. Yeah, right. That makes sense. What about the emotional release of writing down your story as well. I mean, we've talked to countless of specialists and doctors and just therapists on this podcast about the benefits of just pen to paper. Um, Obviously, this is a different medium. It's actually speaking your story and speaking your truth. But do you find that that's where you can kind of get your ideas and collect your thoughts of putting pen to paper first on some of the bigger stories of your life? I put pen to paper on every story first. Um, and I agree with all the therapeutic aspects of it. In fact, the third book I wrote was a workbook, uh, because for that exact reason. I literally have it. I just bought it. Ah, For those that can't see, I just held it up to the screen. I'm, I'm really excited to start. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's exactly why is because of the therapeutic aspect of writing it, because I think a lot of people don't, they just think they can get on stage and start talking. And I do think that that book holds you accountable to write your story. And I always say, get the story out of your head onto the page. And then if you want to out into the world, but sometimes onto the page is enough because it takes up valuable real estate and just kind of swirls in there over and over again, unless you release it and give it somewhere else to live. I'm fascinated by this concept of being able to have a weight lifted off your shoulder by being able to share a story. That's a whole nother element of storytelling that I didn't even realize existed and how therapeutic it can be. So thanks for sharing that. Well, you think about someone like, I, I use an example of this a lot because everyone knows who he is, but you, an example of someone like Michael Phelps, right? And then when he starts sharing his story of struggles with mental health issues, anxiety, et cetera, the weight that is lifted from him, you know, instead of carrying that in silence. And then it's like to be able to speak freely about that and to be able to share that story and connect with others, that's got to be the greatest release of his life, you know? So, you know, you think about that in terms of a public figure like that, like this person shared their story and that's a release. Then I can share a story about something embarrassing that happened to me at the supermarket. It's not a big deal. You know, like you can kind of look at it in those terms. And for anyone that's listening, that is thinking to themselves, well, I'm not a writer. I'm not, I don't have any speeches coming up. You know, I, I'm not going to perform this anywhere. Where, where do people even share these stories outside of like a social interaction? And I had never heard of the moth before. 
funny enough, before working with you. And it is just like my cup of sunshine listening to the Moth podcast. Like all the time. That's what I listen to when I need like a dose of just like love in the world. And so if you could explain to our listeners what the Moth is. So it's a nonprofit storytelling organization that has storytelling events and storytelling contests all over over the world. And then they record them and there's a podcast and a YouTube channel and a book also, maybe two books at this point. And so it's really been a remarkable thing in the world of storytelling to have this going on. The Moth was really life-changing for me to get involved in because I started telling stories there and then eventually winning contests, which helped me build up a repertoire of stories and build a voice into the world, uh, which eventually led to books, et cetera. But it's right now, one of the things that is reopening in person is the moth. So check the organization, themoth.org on your, on online right now, because it is actually reopening in person and it's a great place to tell stories. Are there stories that you told earlier on in your experiences that still stick with you? Is there, is there an evolving story? Is there, what is a moth experience that you've held on to? all these years later? So my experience in the moth was I personally, and this had, I'm not alone in this, waited in line about four plus times for hours and then got in and then my name was not drawn out of the hat. So it probably took me over four to five times to even tell a story. So the positive thing about it is that it's completely fair. You know, you pick names out of a hat and whoever it is, uh, that's the person that gets to tell the story. And there's no rigging of that, which is lovely. But also not lovely if you're in line four or five times and you don't get it. Then finally, I started telling stories. It probably took me four or five times to win um, in the contest. And then I did something called the Grand Slam, which is where all of the winners compete against each other. And I probably did that four or five times before winning that. And so it was a long haul. And even for someone with the experience I had. And I do think, you know, anything worth it, you've got how many auditions have you both been on before booking a party? You know, I mean, it's the yeah. same thing. It's so I was used to that because I came from the world of acting and such. I was really used to it. But uh I think for some people, maybe the first time they go to, they don't get picked. They may give up because they're not, they're not used to that kind of, you know, hustle. So it was kind of, it was okay for me. Yeah. The question I always have when, I mean, the idea of going to the moth is terrifying still, even after we've done this episode for me, but I know it's a process of learning to figure out what story to tell. How do you know what story to tell? What story is worth telling? I know we all have a story to tell, but it feels like there's so many parts of our life, so many life experiences, how can you whittle it down to then decide what to tell? Um, Well, the moth gives a theme. So if you're going to tell a story on the moth and the theme is like, uh, I don't know, uh, brotherhood, for example, then you you would find something specific that can fit that. that Right. They, They make it easy to whittle it down. A lot of the storytelling shows that I did previously also had a theme. It was like, sometimes they give you a word that inspires. So like, uh, uh, I think the last show I did before the world shut down, they gave this word to inspire stories, which was tickle. And I told a story about like thinking that I would do this joke and that like everybody would be laughing and so tickled by it, but like really everyone got like a whole party of people got mad at me. (laughs) So I told that story, you know, based off of the word tickle, which is like, this tickled me. So sometimes you'll get a theme. Sometimes there's shows that are like 
stories of love or they have themes and people kind of tend to market a storytelling show with them with a hook of some sort. So often you're not just told tell a story because I think that's overwhelming. And that's also why I wrote What's Your Story is because I thought, think people don't know where to start. But if you give them a launching point or a prompt, they're fine. People have tons of stuff, but it's, it's overwhelming to just say, tell me a story, which I get asked in interviews all the time. And even I get overwhelmed by that. Yeah, that part in La La Land like really drives me nuts. What happened? When it's like the end, the end of the movie where it's like Emma Stone's in the audition. They're like, just tell us a story. And then she starts singing this whole like story of her childhood. Did you did you guys see the movie? Am I the only um, one? Yes. No. A long time ago. I'm trying to remember. But is that how it ends? That is annoying. Yes, if that's how it ends. That's like spoiler alert. But I'm just like, oh, yeah, she's just going to whip out this like whole story. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And we're back. Well, one of the things I appreciated when working with you is the idea. It was so fun to watch everyone kind of list a couple things like that they thought was interesting about themselves and what they would maybe pontificate on and and turn into a story. And the thing everyone was excited to like make the story. Everyone was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's the other one. It's not that you Mm. like were a clown instructor, you know, for years, it's that time that you found a shoe on the subway. I want to know what happened to that shoe. And it, it always becomes like the thing that the storyteller is like, that's what you want to hear about. That's what you find interesting. But that's what Kayla was saying about being adaptable and pivoting. And that's where the great successes are, is that I have countless people come in and say, this is the story I want to work on. I'm here because I have this wild story about blank. And that's the story I want to work on. And they will not hear anything else. And often the story that they insist on doing is not interesting or is not something that an audience connects with. And sometimes it's something very small that an audience does. So I always ask people to kind of wash away any preconceived notions that they have and to just, you know, be flexible to what comes and what an audience finds interesting. I don't know if either of you have ever worked in a writer's room, but it's the same thing. You throw something out that you think is like really interesting and nobody cares, but then you throw something else out that is the joke that everyone loves 
you know, and that ends up getting on the show. Uh, and you were like, Oh, wait, that was just something I muttered under my breath, but okay. You know, I mean, there's that too. So. But I love how beautiful that is, how we can always be surprised by that, how what we think is the gem isn't. I mean, that's kind of such a good omen for life, too, is we think one thing, but then it's completely the other. That's the the point of it all. And that's very broad. But I that excites me to know that we don't always know what's around the bend and that, you know, there's always that like weird, quirky experience that's going to happen. I think that plays into universal theme, which is what you've talked about a lot too, right? Yeah, it does tie into universal theme, which is that if there's a broader universal theme in your story that an audience can connect with, then it'll work. But if it's something that's really specific to you that an audience just can't connect with, then it, it often won't. I'm interested to see how storytelling will evolve after this kind of locked down time, because We've all collectively experienced a lot together in different ways. Which is ways. really exciting and unifying, right? Like, what a few, what are the few things that you could get on stage after this and being like, so I was told I couldn't leave my house. And it's like, everyone's going to be like, me too, me too, me too. I mean, how great is that? That we have all experienced this now. That's great. We can connect in that way. And I will say that the positive for me so far has been in my times where I am socializing, I do feel like people are more present. Do feel like people put their phones away and listen and are a little bit less distracted and more in the moment. And I really think that's a great thing that I've noticed. Right. In a world that's so digital, we now can finally realize the benefit of being in person and how rare it is. And so anytime we can um, be at a dinner party and be with someone we yeah. love and share a story, it is really special where it felt like before that was just something on your list that you had to do and maybe get done to then continue in the busyness of life. Or try and get out of it. Right? Or try and get out of it. You're right. Everyone spent so much time trying to get out of plans they had made. And I think the idea of the experience being so incredibly special to just be together and share a simple story. And what I love what you've said so much, Margot, that resonates is how we're all obsessed with those simple stories now. It doesn't have to be complex and crazy and mind-blowing. It can be that there's two realtors in your neighborhood who have broken up and it's the talk of the town. And and yes. truly, as you were telling that story, I'm thinking how fascinating that it is. And I want to know what happened. Well, I'll tell you a little bit more. I don't know if they were romantically involved or not. Uh, oh. But I do know that the man is marrying someone very, very young. Interesting. And, uh, <laughs> and that his former partner is now out. And the other person is not. And they have physically cut her off of the sign in the window of the store, like cut her hand, physically cut it off. <laughs> That's so dramatic. I love it. <laughs> I would say I have, I would say maybe about six people that I text weekly about updates or theories on it that are all equally as involved as I am in this. <laughs> they're all like I will write to people and they have like big important jobs and they'll write back 10 seconds later and be like do you think like, just like, and so that's kind of fun because I don't think I would have noticed any of this when I was so busy and never home before so like you know there's things like that 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 I, I think are kind of a, a, a fun thing or like looking in who's moving into the house across the street and all of this stuff like I wouldn't have noticed anything before so there's something nice about that it is nice to get to a point of just connecting with people again in a different way of just not I think we, we're such a fast paced 
country. You know, it's always just like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And especially in regards to social media. And it, it, I think that being able just to sit down and instead of saying like, well, what do you do? What do you do? Everyone's starting to slow down and say like, who are you? Where are you from? And getting to connect on like that heart to heart basis that we kind of forgot how to, I think I forgot how to do for a while. And it was really two weeks in your classroom. We spoke a little bit off mic about it and just unsuspecting. I mean, people walk in and you just have these like pre ideas of who you think they are. And are like, oh, we would probably never hang out. And by the end of it, you're like trading numbers. You feel like bonded for the rest of your life because you've really gotten to know something about this person and in such a deep way. I hope that it continues to go that way, that we as a society, you know, lean into the humanity of each other again. Well, that's been my whole mission of my business model was connecting people through story and realizing how connected we actually really are and how important it is to connect by sharing stories and that there's nothing like it in the world. And I, I've been lucky enough, you know, in these, in this time to still be able to do that with people. I'm working with someone right now, a a, a medical student who's trying to connect story and medicine. And I find that fascinating, you know, like I've worked with so many different people online during this time that I probably wouldn't have, which is a real blessing. And I've had students all over the world Whereas, you know, when I was teaching in person, I didn't. So that's been a really interesting situation that has been a positive in this. But I do think that connecting people through story shows how similar we actually all really are. And once you learn how to confidently share your story, which, you know, like I said before, it's, you know, establish yourself as a clear character, get us to root for you, keep it concise. It's, Tell us what's working against you. What are the stakes? Don't tell us what you learned. All of those things, you know, remembering those things, when you tell a story casually, the sky's the limit on how you can use that to your advantage in every aspect of your life. But even if you just use it socially, or that's great too. It's totally fine. I found the concept of being a good storyteller can um, easily help you make friends. And we all could benefit from having good friends. And it's something just as simple as that. So for our listeners who aren't in the entertainment industry, we have a lot of younger listeners on this podcast as well. Do you have any final words to share with them? Where can they go to take your course if it's something that they are really interested in doing? And um, please also share your books with them one more time so they can yeah. go to Margot's website. <laughs> So you can, my website's my name, margolightman.com, M-A-R-G-O-T-L-E-I-T-M-A-N. And there's a link for classes and workshops there. I actually, this is a busy time for me right now. I have lots of classes and workshops all on, still online uh, registering right now. So there's a few that are one day. There's a few day, that are uh, six weeks, you know, once a week for six weeks. There's a, one that's once a week for eight weeks, etc. So there's tons and tons of stuff on my website. And also I have three books. And somehow you seamlessly plugged all of them. Into your list. So, <laughs> uh, so my memoir is Gothy Tales of an Extra Long Awkward Phase. My storytelling guidebook is Long Story Short, the only storytelling guide you'll ever need. And my workbook is What's Your Story? And they're all available wherever books are sold. Uh, and the first two are available on audio or ebook as well, narrated by me. Yay, Margot, it has been so good to see you. And <laughs> thank you for joining us. So Candace, thank you for bringing us such a lovely guest because I have to tell you, 
honestly, you coming back from your class, this is pre-pandemic when you took the class in person and we were seeing each other regularly, you were so in love with the experience of that class and it inspired me to continue to take the class and I have yet to do so, but especially after we've interviewed her today, I'm even more inspired to hop online. Hopefully she has availability, Um, but just you're able to find those gems and these people who truly have a perspective to tell. And I just am so inspired by her. Well, what I love is in a celebrity culture obsessed world, like, look, I am, I've fully admitted on this podcast, Daily Mail UK is my number one. Like I check it way too much during the day. I know too much about celebrity pop culture. It is embarrassing. But that's just kind of like brain candy. And I think what like the soul fuel is just hearing other people's truth and their stories and, and the things that connect us. And it and it's not because they were on a show or make really incredible music, but it's because they're just a human existing in the world. And so sitting down with a group full of, you know, there, I think there were 14 of us in a class for two weeks only, but every day coming together and, and, and look, I, and I, I can be very cold in the beginning in a, in like an uncomfortable social situation. I don't really, I don't, I get nervous. I kind of, I will always sit in the back corner, which is funny if anyone knows me in real life, that is not my personality in real life. But in that situation, it is. And kind of quietly assess everyone in the room and, and just kind of realizing how many predispositions we have over like the kind of stories someone has from their own life experiences or the hilarious story someone is able to deliver because it's who they are and only they could deliver that kind of story in that way. I mean, it just it profoundly changed, you know, the way that I look at people. It made me more excited, obviously, in a pre-pandemic world to sit next to someone on an airplane and and try to figure out like something. It just learned something really deep and incredible about them that and then never see them again. Obviously, it's really hard to have that experience right now which is uh, why I was so excited for us to talk to Margot, but also why I cannot push enough. Please, if you just need a little like refill for the soul, go to the Moth podcast. They have stories there every week. It's fantastic. And um, it's a great blueprint for wanting to become a better storyteller and understand the stories that you have within you already. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. want to remind you that we all have a story to tell and it all has value. We will see you same time next. No, not same time because it's a podcast. We will see you next week. Take care of yourself until then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.